0: Welcome to the AFP Report. This is your host, John Friend. Today is Friday, March 31st, 2023. This is the 37th edition of the AFP Report, a podcast series where I will be interviewing reporters and contributors to American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, as well as other special guests. Please consider subscribing to American Free Press if you are not already. Subscription details can be found at AmericanFreePress.net today i'm joined by james edwards host of the political cesspool radio program and one of the most insightful political commentators in the alternative media all right james edwards welcome back to the program
1: sir how are you my friend Uh, john i'm doing great it's always uh, an honor to talk with you and American Free Press, and I'm ready to go. Uh, it's been a while since we were on together on this platform. You've, of course, been on my show more recently than that. But anytime we can get together and anywhere we can get together, I'm always better for it.
0: Yes, absolutely. So you are the host of the Political Cesspool radio program and one of the most insightful political commentators in the alternative media, I think I can say. And I follow you on your increasingly popular Twitter page, by the way. Congratulations on that. Thank your, you. Yeah, your Twitter handle is at James Edwards TPC, and I'll have that linked. And I'll also have a link over to your website as well when I post this podcast program. The website's thepoliticalcesspool.org, I believe. And of course, I've been listening to your weekly three-hour live radio program for years now. And um, you know, we've been trying to arrange this podcast for a week or so. So I'm glad that we're able to to kind of catch up and talk today. And of course, there's always a lot going on. Um, a lot to comment on. And today I want to start off by talking about the reality of political violence and terrorism in America by highlighting the case of Thomas Jurgens, who's this 28-year-old staff attorney for the Southern Poverty Law Center, which has done everything in its power to deplatform you, to tarnish your, your reputation. And of course, you know, American Free Press and myself have even been targets by the Southern Poverty Law Center, as have numerous other political dissidents in America. But this guy, Thomas Juergens, uh, you know, again, a 28-year-old staff attorney for the Southern Property Law Center, was arrested earlier this month at a very violent protest in Atlanta while operating as a quote-unquote legal observer on behalf of the National Lawyers Guild. And this is a topic I wrote about in the most recent edition of American Free Press, which I actually just received I think it was actually last week, it's issue 11 and 12, the March 20th and March 27th issue of the newspaper. And this article is actually on the website as well for anybody to check it out, it's it's AmericanFreePress.net. And while you're there, do consider becoming a subscriber to the newspaper if you're not already. It really is America's last real print newspaper something that is uh, not an easy thing to maintain and, and, and to, you know, to, to do in, in this day and age. So do consider becoming a subscriber to the newspaper. Now, James, um, you played a key role in breaking this explosive story and we've been trying to set up an interview ever since. Um, I'm looking at a tweet that you put out, uh, shortly after this story broke and you were like one of the first to sort of get this out there on social media. The tweet has over a million views at this point. So it's, Pretty incredible feat. Um, So, do you have any comments uh, just to kind of get started? And then I actually want to just quote from the article directly to kind of give people some background
1: on the situation if they're not up to speed. Oh boy, do I ever, John! And thank you for giving me the opportunity. I, I would just first very quickly circle back to, to the things you said a moment ago. It is true that I'm the host of the political cesspool. I don't know how insightful I am, but uh, I guess well enough to to last 19 years on the on the radio airwaves, uh, which we are currently in. And well, uh, you, you're the- you're
0: doing something right, buddy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I've I've met a lot of great people along the way, and I count you and Paul Angel and and others at uh, your organization. It's uh, certainly part of that company. But, yeah, this situation with leftist terrorism, both absolute and alleged, has been an increasing problem. Obviously, the situation in Nashville with this uh, so-called transgendered terrorist um, that happened a couple of days ago, Is uh, fresh on everybody's mind, but uh, just earlier in March, you had the situation involving the aforementioned staff attorney for the Southern Poverty Law Center. And yeah, I woke up, uh, this all took place uh, on the weekend of March 5th, and so on um, on the morning of March 6th, I received a message through my radio program's uh, website from a young man who monitors a collective called Antifa Watch, and this was a telegram channel, I believe. And apparently, if I understand correctly, this collective, when any members of Antifa are arrested, and certainly there's no shortage of material there, they'll poke around to see what's what and who's who. And they were the ones who actually first discovered that an SPLC employee or staff attorney had been caught up in this Arrest of the uh, antifa. Well, I mean, I, I guess you have to call them terrorists. I mean, what else would you call people? Well, yeah, a it, police station and, exactly. and throwing incendiary devices at at police officers. There's Later no, there's,
0: there's case, not a more appropriate word than terrorist terrorists to describe these far left radical antifa people.
1: I mean, course, that's that's know, the exact
0: they, tactics that they use and engage in.
1: Well, and of course, there's always links and ties that the SPLC has for decades engaged in a grotesque exaggeration of McCarthyism. You know, the leftists always got upset about how uh, McCarthy would try to link and tie people to the Communist Party, except for in the cases with McCarthy, they almost always were uh, affiliated with the Communist Party. But the SPLC will link and tie. If you talk to a guy who knows a guy who met a guy uh, who... who Uh, is in touch with you, then therefore you are, you know, joined at the hip, this links and ties business. But with the situation in um, Atlanta, there's just no doubt about it. These people were arrested and charged. So that's not hyperbole. That's not linking and tying. You can say, uh, as a matter of fact, they were arrested and charged. They have not been found guilty yet uh, of any crime, but they have been arrested and charged. And of this of this uh, group of people, one was the SPLC staff attorney. Now, you mentioned the, the tweet that I put out. So I received this information, this tip from this anonymous source who had monitored this Telegram channel, uh, informing me that an SPLC staff attorney had been arrested and charged with domestic terrorism. Now, as foul and as dishonest And as abhorrent as the Southern Poverty Law Center and its associates are, I found this to be hard to believe at first. And I wasn't finding anything. I didn't monitor the Telegram channel, so I didn't see it. And even that wouldn't be necessarily definitive proof. But he did send me the guy's mugshot, Thomas Juergen's mugshot, and the arrest record. But again, things can be doctored, photoshopped. I wasn't seeing anything about it in the so-called – establishment news channel. So I called my friend Brad Griffin, who's just a researcher par excellence. He writes as Hunter Wallace at uh, the popular Occidental Descent blog. And I said, Brad, I, I got this tip. This can't be right, but you're a good researcher. You got a nose for this. Uh, can, you, can you see if you can find anything? Sure enough, Brad found that a local reporter in the Atlanta area for, uh, I don't remember the exact call signals, WSBJ-TV or something like that, local network affiliate in Atlanta, had uh, posted it, and he uh, is a member of the press, so that's what they consider to be a reliable source. We may know better, but as far as this goes, I think you can say it has now been reported that a Southern Poverty Law Center staff attorney has been arrested and charged with domestic terrorism, and so I did, and so I did, and I posted that to Twitter, and sometimes it's just a case of uh, catching lightning in a bottle. God's will will always be done, and every now and then uh, he may select you to be... Uh, the the messenger and I, I I put it out there and within a <laughs> a few hours it had a million views and it was being retweeted by Fox News personalities and uh, high ranking Republican elected officials and it really did just it was just a matter of the right message at the right time and uh, it was yes
0: sir that's the, that's the nature of Twitter sometimes right <laughs>
1: yeah it was just I mean yeah. I could have posted it an hour earlier or an hour later and uh, it 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 wouldn't have had the same effect but uh, for whatever reason that local reporter who had mentioned it uh, for for the Atlanta affiliate station had only had just a handful of engagement a couple of likes maybe one retweet you know just very very small but that was who i used as the source as the so-called reliable source not you know resting my uh, uh my stake in this thing on anonymous uh telegram users although they were right they were right
0: By the way, it it is WSBTV, I believe, was the original source. Yeah. And by the way, the tweet that I'm referring to and that we're talking about, I'm going to have embedded in this this, uh, podcast post on the website. So if you click it, it'll take you right to that entire thread. And you've got all sorts of information in here about this, you know, if you just kind of scroll down and, and, and read the thread of your
1: tweet. Well, we we certainly had some very rough details uh, and facts about it. I, I will tell you this. There, that's no joke about American Free Press being America's last real newspaper. I have read by now uh, in the subsequent weeks dozens of articles about this case and this situation, and I have not re- read one that could hold a candle to your reporting, John, uh, for American Free Press. I, I read that uh, with Relish a couple of days ago online and it was the single best most fact-based objective piece of reporting that i that i found about this and this is a, this is a very big story this is a very big story uh and, but uh, as far as my role in it was like i said we didn't break the news somebody on a local news had already reported it and we got the tip ourselves from Uh, From an anonymous source, but uh, we were the ones that sort of posted it to to Twitter before others. If you look at our timestamp, it was it was very early on, and it did, as you said, got a million views. And later that evening, uh, or rather the next night, I believe it was, or might have been that very same night. No, it was the same night because this was a Monday. Uh, Tucker Carlson was covering it on his program, so you know I can't take full credit for that. It did get a lot of play, obviously. It's just like if Columbus hadn't. Have found the new world where there have been another explorer that did yes, and this was going to come out eventually. But we we were able to uh, sort of uh, scoop that in a way. And uh, the quote that I gave you for you were actually the only reporter that I talked to about this. Several reporters had uh, direct messaged me on Twitter asking, you know, how did you get this? We're not finding this in this county's arrest report. And then these these are mainstream, you know, so called mainstream reporters. I said, well, it, it, it wasn't. Fulton County, Georgia. It was DeKalb County. Oh well, thank you, James. And of course, no attribution once <laughs> the articles come out. Uh, but you were good enough to do it, John. And, and, and so a lot's happening now with the SPLC. I mean, it was just last uh, a month before that in February that twenty state attorneys general had co-signed a letter that was sent to the Department of Justice and the FBI, um, asserting that the Southern Poverty Law Center. "Quote has been utterly discredited as a reliable source." End quote. So you've got that. Twenty state attorneys general. That's huge. That's half. That's half the union, basically. Uh, that uh, their state attorneys general are saying we don't want anything to do with the Southern Poverty Law Center. They're discredited. They're unreliable. Now we always knew that to be true. We've known that for twenty years. But now that you've got the some of the highest ranking officials in any given state saying that with you that that's something and then that bombshell news that the staff attorney had been arrested and charged with domestic terrorism right that's what I told you in the report i mean that yeah. that's going to definitely give well-meaning and law-abiding dissidents some cover you know yeah. and and I, you're even seeing now i'll tell you this very quickly and the first time the splc put me on the hate watch list was in 2005 we'd been on the air just a few months and I can remember getting a call from an NBC reporter saying we'd like a comment. I didn't even know that it had happened. I was driving down the interstate. I know exact, I can still picture exactly where I was. Um, driving down the interstate, they said, we'd like your comment. Is this Mr. Edwards? We'd like your comment on your radio program being listed as an official hate group. And they caught me unaware. And they asked if they could set up a time for, for an interview, and then other reporters called. I can remember doing uh, sort of a little mini press conference with local news back during the mid two thousands, and this is the point, John, and everybody listening, where so many people we've seen it so many times that that's when you get on your knees and you beg forgiveness. They got it wrong. You don't understand. My best friends are blacks and Jewish, and and all of this. And I, I I'm not a racist. I disavow racism, and you know I don't consider myself to be that either. I don't. I consider myself to be quite normal and healthy. And one for my people, what everybody else takes as a As a given, Uh, but I didn't do any of that because I knew if you did that, number one, they can take a lot of things from you. That these these people are a threat, but the only thing that they can't take is your dignity and your self-worth, your your value as a man, unless you put it on offer. So I said, well, come what may, we're just going to own this thing. And so I went and I met the reporters, and they asked for the comment on the record, and I said, well, I'm honored. This is I've been waiting for this day. I'm ecstatic to have been named to the hate watch list. Uh, I don't think you've arrived as someone who's Words are to be trusted unless this group of communists and civil rights hustlers uh, are are firing on you.
0: And, right. You
1: know, your eyes got it's Like if and- if
0: if you're not being attacked by the SPLC or the ADL, then you're you're just not doing something, not not doing everything right. You know, it's like <laughs> if you're really not not in their crosshairs, then you're you're not going all the way. It seems like.
1: No, that's absolutely right. But see, back in the mid two thousands, nobody was saying this. Now I'm seeing people like Charlie Kirk and other conservative incorporated type people now these guys four or five years ago were kicking people out for saying the same things that they themselves are saying now and then someone said uh, i can't remember if it was kirk or somebody else on that sort of tier of conservatism saying you know if you're not getting attacked by the southern poverty law center you know you've got the problem so every you know a lot of people are saying this now so that that is a change that we have seen verifiably over the course of the last 20 years but never more so here than in just the last few years when truly everything now is racist every white person is a racist and and I of course John we've been saying that for years but a lot of people are seeing it now and and so yes this hurts them this hurts them and and um I think that I I this guy will probably skate I I know how criminally corrupt our justice system is in this country, having filed a libel lawsuit uh, against the Detroit Free Press in my experience in court a few years ago when they alleged I was uh, the leader of the Ku Klux Klan, uh, and that is the textbook definition of libel. Calling somebody a racist, a white supremacist, is not. Calling someone a leader of the Ku Klux Klan, according to the restatement of torts, is a textbook definition of what constitutes legal libel. Uh, Well, (laughs) Uh, anyway, that's a, that's a whole other story. Suffice it to say, I didn't win my case because of of, of who I am, uh, and there that was a lot of injustice in that. And we've seen in the Charlottesville trial, we've just you've seen time time again uh, that the the courts are criminally corrupt um, because these judges, in many cases, are criminally corrupt. And I I, I would probably hazard a guess that this attorney for the SPLC will eventually skate on this. Perhaps not. Uh, you, you wrote about this. I was very fascinated, John, by the quote you got from the FBI agent uh, who shed a little light on this uh, very flimsy defense that, well, he was just there as an observer. and We can get into that in just a, just a second. But no matter what happens with the individual, I think that the SPLC's credibility has really taken a hit. I mean, it was already very low for anybody in the know, but now you've got Mainstream conservatives sort of seeing through this now. Uh, you had Matt Gates, for instance, uh, out of Florida, the congressman out of Florida, saying, quote, the SPLC has converted into SPL-Qaeda. They gaslight violence against conservatives while masquerading as an authority on civil rights. Uh, Gates continued, why does the FBI rely on a group who now has definitive ties to uh, participating in activities that local law enforcement categorizes domestic terrorism, and he's saying that the House Republicans need to look into um, look into the SPLC and the oversight of these weaponized agencies like the Department of Justice and the FBI. So uh, they um, – and if you go to just their <laughs> their Twitter handle now, their main Twitter handle, random posts that have nothing to do with this incident are being flooded with comments from – Normy citizens – for instance, the SPLC post about, well, this guy has done great work at uh, fighting racism, and then the, the, the comments will be, yeah, but does he make a good molotov or you people are terrorists? So uh, I think the attacks from the SPLC moving forward are going to be um, a lot less savage to people, and that's that's a good thing for freedom of speech and rule of law in this country.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean I, in the article uh, that I wrote, I actually describe – the southern poverty law center as a like partisan antifa affiliated organization masquerading as like this legitimate research outlet or civil rights organization i mean it's just a totally partisan antifa openly antifa affiliated you know operation that is targeting dissidents targeting you know conservatives and other you know patriotic american citizens For their political views, and and they've been engaged in this type of behavior for a very, very long time.
1: Well, they absolutely have, and now uh, their sting – people have become a little less – a little more numb, I should say, to their sting. Again, the 20 state attorneys general, one month, and then uh, one of their staff attorneys being uh, arrested and charged with domestic terrorism. The next and, – and by the way, I mentioned that very first article the SPLC had written about my work back in 2005, uh, 2006. It, um, <laughs> about a week before this story broke about the domestic terrorism charge, the SPLC published its 79th article in which the political cesspool, or yours truly – Uh, were attacked. And uh, that was literally just a week before. And you can find it on their website. It's still up there at the Hate Watch blog. I wouldn't, I don't recommend anyone visiting a hate site like the SPLC, but it is I'm always proud about, you know, I, you know, listen, I mean, I, it is what it is. You don't want it, but you don't hate it either. It is you, if you're doing work, that's, that's notable. This is just something that comes with it. But 79th article, and then literally a week later, this dropped. So that was uh, certainly some, what is that, uh, Schadenfreude?
0: Yeah. the German. Well, did you see the SPLC's response? I mean, they were out there defending this Juergens guy, claiming that he was performing a public service and documenting potential violations of these protesters' rights while, you know, at this very violent protest, which we'll get into in just a moment. But even after his arrest, They were doubling down with their far-left talking points, saying that they're going to continue to urge de-escalation of violence and police use of force against black, brown, and indigenous communities. I mean, just their language and rhetoric is just so ridiculous and so over-the-top. And is basically designed to cover up what was really going on here, which was a violent Antifa-led terrorist attack against police officers and other law enforcement officials at the... It's it's basically the future site for the Atlanta Public Safety Training Center, which – and I don't know if how, how much you've been following this story about um, all these Antifa people basically squatting. quite a bit. Yeah, squatting on this property. There was um, – they, they, they call it Cop City and they claim it's like this an autonomous zone. Um, and there have been multiple clashes with law enforcement over the course of the past few months at least. Um, including uh, one one young guy, a uh, 26-year-old activist, who was killed in in uh, January of this year by Georgia State Police. From what the the last time I read about it or looked into it, there the investigation was still open into the situation. But from what law enforcement have claimed, this guy was shooting at state police, and they returned fire, resulting in his you know, resulting in his death. Yeah. During and the, and this was during a raid that Georgia State Police conducted because there were you know I, I don't know how many I think they arrested um, at least 20 people in the raid and they removed like 25 campsites. They recovered all sorts of fireworks and other weapons and pellet rifles and gas masks and a blowtorch. I mean, so you know these people are are, are definitely up to no good. And they just apparently just refused to leave this site, and that's what sort of led up to this protest on March 5th. There was apparently some sort of music festival going on, and these like black block Antifa people sort of infiltrated it and and you know kicked off this very violent protest where there. And you can see videos of this online. Andy No has covered it very very well. You can find a lot of good videos on his Twitter uh, his Twitter page. Um, but yeah, they were throwing throwing rocks and fireworks at police officers. They were attempting to destroy and sabotage construction equipment at this site. And I, th- I think they did, in fact, destroy a, destroy a bunch of uh, construction equipment. So, I mean, it was basically a violent terrorist attack. I mean, I don't know any other way to characterize it.
1: No, it absolutely was. I mean, and, and I was confused at first as to whether or not I didn't think, as a matter of fact, that law enforcement Officers were on the scene during this, but indeed they were, and you can see them sort of dodging the, and I'm assuming that this is accurate, they're dodging these, these um, Molotov cocktails and fireworks and things like that. Now, sometimes, you never can't trust the media, because, I mean, obviously, because sometimes they'll use stock photos to illustrate a story, so you're not actually looking at a photo That illustrates the story you're reading, but I think in this case, that was actually from the scene. Am I right about that? Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, yeah, that's my understanding. I mean, I saw a lot of the videos. Um, I was reading the Atlanta Police Department and the Georgia Bureau of Investigations, their reports into this attack. And in fact, here, I'll, I'll just read directly from the article. It says here, according to the Atlanta Police Department on March 5th, a group of violent agitators used the cover of a peaceful protest Of the proposed atlanta public safety training center to conduct a coordinated attack on construction equipment and police officers the far left terrorists changed into black clothing and entered the construction area and began to throw large rocks bricks molotov cocktails and fireworks at police officers the atlanta police department explained in a press release the agitators destroyed multiple pieces of construction equipment by fire and vandalism, the statement noted. Multiple law enforcement agencies deployed to the area and detained several people committing illegal activity, including this guy, Thomas Jurgens. Now, it's, it's not clear to me exactly what sort of activity he was engaged in. Who, who knows? He may have even been himself participating in this. He was certainly there observing, and, and uh, admittedly well, so.
1: Well, that, that that's the thing. Obviously, anyone, if the cops roll up on people actively engaging in, in a criminal activity, and in this case, domestic terrorism, anybody can claim that, oh, I'm just here observing. You know, I, I've never heard, I personally have never heard, I'm a layman my, when it comes to this, but I've never heard of attorneys actively attending the firebombing of police facilities. If you see people beginning to... Engage in such destructive activity you you, you have to call the police in, in the SPLC you mentioned how they lashed out over this uh, and they are doing exactly as I would want them to do. Uh, they are overplaying their hand you know there's an ancient proverb uh, proverb uh, that uh, you are blessed if you can see yourself as others see you and uh, our, our enemies don't have uh, have not received that gift john uh, to To double down on this, uh, the hubris uh, to blame everyone else for for this activity and uh, to have no accountability and uh, to lash out at the law enforcement agencies uh, that uh, were engaged in these arrests uh, is is very interesting and very telling. Now, again, all it takes is one corrupt judge to let this guy off the hook, but I hope that the that the more squishy conservative establishment doesn't let this fade away because right now you've got sitting senators and others who are commenting on this and looking into this, which is good. But yeah, I mean, lawyers are, are not allowed to become a part of a client's criminal enterprise. A lawyer can't uh, advise as an attorney. I called an attorney in Georgia and asked about this. I said, have you ever heard of this the attorneys going on and just saying, you know, I was observing and he responded, a lawyer cannot advise the client on how to effectuate a forgery. He can't ride along in the visit to the businessmen in which the mob will demand protection and insurance. So hovering around while terrorists are torching a police car and engaging in other such criminal conduct can't be justified by a claim that one is acting as in-house counsel. And then, of course, you you have this National Lawyers Guild. Now, that, that sounds very official. That sort of sounds almost like the Southern Poverty Law Center. It sounds like it's prestigious. It sounds like, well, the Screen Actors Guild, where the people at the very pinnacle of a profession must belong to this group. But the National Lawyers Guild isn't anything official at all. It's just a left-wing radical uh, front group that provides aiding and assistance to Antifa types. And well, so- yeah,
0: it's it's a partisan organization that runs cover for Antifa and other far-left terrorists. That's what they do, and that's that's their role as legal observers, quote-unquote is to basically well you you mentioned the, the FBI uh, Kyle uh, Serafin he's a former FBI agent he had some interesting comments about these quote unquote legal observers and his experience you know dealing with these antifa protesters and he said that they often act as sort of like counter surveillance and spotters for the for antifa groups where they're you know directly connected by radio to some of the other antifa leaders and help help the Antifa mob sort of coordinate and, um, escape, uh, you know, if, if if law enforcement shows up, you know, sort of help them escape and get away with, with, you know, with their outrageous crimes that they continue to commit all over the country. And another thing that they do is they'll be there to take pictures of police actually arresting these criminals. And then they go to the courts and claim that the police mistreated, you know, the, basically these criminal terrorists and they filed lawsuits against these local cities, including most recently the city of Philadelphia. And the city of mm-hmm. Philadelphia just agreed to pay $9.25 million to uh, – it was over 340 violent protesters who said that they, quote-unquote, suffered physical and emotional injuries. Yeah. disgusting. Yeah, and, and, and they, were, they were participating in a violent, disruptive protest during the – you know, the, the the color revolution in 2020, the Black Lives Matter color revolution, when they were blocking a major highway in Philadelphia, in downtown Philadelphia. And the, and the police showed up to clear the highway and to arrest these people and, and you know, prosecute them for their crimes. And they end up suing the city and settling for $9.25 million. So that's what these legal observers are there to do. They're there to help facilitate and cover up the crimes of the Antifa, help them escape and, and sort of, you know – operate as spotters for the antifa leaders and also to document quote unquote police brutality against the protest the the protesters you know let's call them what they are they're terrorists so it's it's just outrageous the way the criminal justice system the media the political establishment basically facilitate this sort of behavior you know it's almost as if the radical left and their allies are being protected and facilitated by certain elements in law enforcement, in the media, and the political establishment to advance this far-left agenda and to target patriotic American dissidents. And this is something that is happening all across the Western world. I don't know um, if you follow Mark Collette. Um, he's a yeah, sure. uh, yeah a British nationalist. He made this post, you know, talking about because you know they're doing all sorts of protests against the migrant invasion. And it, it, you know, in the United Kingdom, where the, the the British government is paying hotels to house these quote unquote refugees who are who are not at all refugees, you know, they're basically economic migrants, and um, you know, so they're they're engaging in protests and, and trying to raise awareness of this, and these far left Antifa people will come up and attack them, and the police like basically don't do anything, and that's the same thing we saw all throughout you know Trump's presidency, certainly in 2020. Leading up to the election. So, I mean, I can't help but conclude that there is certain elements in the government, in the media um, that want this to happen, that are actively facilitating this sort of extremist, violent terrorism and then gaslighting the public into accepting or believing that somehow white, quote unquote, white supremacists are the real threat to the country. It's a total inversion of
1: reality. It it is absolutely a total inversion of reality, and it doesn't appear to be that way, as you you mentioned. It actually is that way, especially with regards to the courts and the media and academia and the government and really all of our institutions of power are in the can for the woke, uh, which is why I have become increasingly convinced. It was always an issue near and dear to my heart, but we do need to have a secession. I mean America will need to balkanize. It's going to have to. I mean, there, you, you cannot have a union made up of, of people who have absolutely nothing in common. And, and we're, at le- we're many different nations now that are separated in, in two group blocks, the red and, and, and the blue. But it's really more than just two distinct separate cultures and peoples. There's a lot that go into those two blocks, especially on the blue side. I guess mostly on the red side, it's going to be most white, mostly white Christians. Uh, but there has never been. Uh, an empire or a nation state that has stood the test of time, that has been multiculturalism, uh, multicultural, it always, it always ends. And I think right now people are, we can get into this in a moment. People are beginning to realize that. And I think the more polarization, you know, rather than the SPLC take accountability for this and, and fire this person, I mean, The SPLC has been responsible for hundreds of people, maybe thousands being fired just by the mere specter that they may or may not have harbored thoughts that the SPLC hates. Uh, But this guy was absolutely arrested and charged, and, and they're covering for him, but that's what I would have them do again. Uh, to repeat myself, I think that that, that ups the polarization of, of well, the, the situation, and you see that there well, can there, be no reconciliation or understanding with people like that.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Well, they're defending this guy. They're saying yeah. that he's in the right, and that you know he didn't do anything wrong, and he and they're actually you know th- this is what their their one of the main goals of their organization is to serve as legal advisors and to to, to protect the rights of protesters to squat on, on land that's being developed by law enforcement agencies and other things. And you're right. I mean, there is this major divide in society and you see it on a daily basis. I'm looking at your Twitter feed right now. I know you just posted an article about this Wayne state professor who was recently suspended for advocating for killing right wing speakers. And I just saw a clip, um, of, um, Ezra Levant, he's like this alternative um, journalist in Canada, a Jewish guy, and he was on Tim Poole's podcast, and he was saying that we need to kill Nazis, literally to kill anybody who maybe had you know, is sympathetic to National Socialism. And who even knows? I mean, the term Nazi well, is so yeah, vague; they basically call anybody that you know is sort of like a right-wing dissident a Nazi. And he's he he said on air on a YouTube live stream. That it's, you know, we should be killing Nazis. We should be punching Nazis and killing them.
1: Yeah, I don't think he really means the historical Nazis. No, not at all. Well, he means white people. He He, means, means yeah. yeah. You know, I wrote a book about that in 2010, Racism Schmacism, how liberals use the R word. It was prophetic and ahead of its time because i i was noticing and of course a lot of people were noticing it back then but not nearly as many as, as who notice it now but that hey this 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 slur this libel this slander the, the racist racism is basically just a racist is a white person and racism is anything that white people do that liberals don't like uh anything they do or say and it it's it just become it, and it's just mis- spread like cancer i mean if it was that stage two or three in 2010 it's it's terminal now and and and, and well beyond that even but no i mean they're, they're, these people aren't talking about they're talking about us they're talking again they're talking about white christian trump voters and this this uh and he was jewish he is jewish this professor at wayne state university i i know that that's going to get me slapped with another charge of anti-semitism by the adl to point out a fact I mean, it, but the fact is he he uh he is jewish Uh, And what he said was that it would be more admirable to kill racist speakers than to protest them, more admirable to kill racists or right-wing speakers than to protest them. So this is, again, another daily reminder that separating from these people is the only responsible way forward. So we move well beyond yeah, go ahead,
0: what's no, I was going to say what's so incredible to me is we have example after example of these far left radicals speaking like this where they're truly vitriolic, they truly hate anybody that deviates from the politically correct narrative on any given topic. And you know, you know, they're filled with hatred, they they want to kill and attack people that they disagree with. You would never hear anything like that out of our mouths. Mm-mm. You know, that's we, a great we, point. You know what I mean? It's like, again, like literally the total opposite where the government, the federal government, the, the Biden administration and, and all of his, um, again, most of them in key positions of power, especially at the Department of Homeland Security and, you know, the, the Justice Department. These are Jewish individuals who are highly motivated by their Jewish identity and this Holocaust narrative and this disdain for white Christian America. Um, you know, they're continuing... To, to double down on this narrative that white supremacists are the greatest threat to America. When me, meanwhile, we have Antifa rioting and, and attacking police officers, attacking people they disagree with professors at Wayne State University saying they want to kill right wing speakers, you know, Jewish journalists going on YouTube channels saying that Nazis need to be killed. I mean, it's just it couldn't be more upside down. The, you know, the the official narrative coming from the media and from the political establishment.
1: No, you absolutely nailed it. Uh, I have hosted a talk radio program for now 19 years, as I mentioned, and in the course of those 19 years, I don't know – I mean certainly a minority of the guests who have been on are not – Listed on the SPLC's officially designated hate group, but I, I typically go to the hate list to try to find my guests. because I know they're probably going to be good people who are going to have thoughtful things to say. I, I say that uh, uh, <laughs> joking a little, a yeah. little, but but well, but it's, the it's point probably is, true actually. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's it's partly true, partly joking. Uh, we have a lot of guests that aren't on the list, but a lot of them that are. But uh, the 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 fact is that you know I'm talking with all of these people that the so-called watchdog groups, these left-wing watchdog groups, uh, are, are saying it is so bad. I never once, and this is the truth, never once in 19 years have I ever talked to anyone on the air or off, or off, that said what this Wayne State, this uh, Jewish professor at Wayne State University said, I have never, uh, David Duke, who's a great man, by the way, a dear friend, we go on vacation together, he's been a guest in my home and I in his, but for David Duke on down, you you pick the name that you think is supposed to be a bad guy. Never once have I heard him say, you know, we'd be better off if we just killed all of these Jews, or we if we just killed all of these blacks. I have never heard that from any of my associates, not once, not ever. Uh, but we are the ones. No, I don't think so. Uh, but this is this is where it's going, John. When shouting down conservatives fail, when labeling truth telling dissidents as white supremacists and neo Nazis and racists, et cetera, when that begins to lose its power, and it is. Well, I guess there's always murder. That's what this this professor's saying. And, 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 and this is not unique to leftists. If you, if you monitor their social media, if you monitor uh, their blogs and you monitor the things that they are saying, this advocation of, of murder and terrorism is very, very common. We must have a national divorce from these leftist terrorists. And, and you saw it again, I think, just in— in Nashville uh, just just this week that uh, this, this whole thing, this, now you have this trans-terrorism, okay? We, we understand it now. I saw this, these, these t-shirts that so-called transgendered people are wearing, trans rights or else, and it has these rainbow-colored machine guns on the t-shirts. T-shirts it says trans rights or else with rainbow-colored machine guns. Okay, I get it now. We get it. And uh, interestingly, by the way, Uganda Uganda has it right. Uganda, the black uh, African nation of Uganda. This would not have happened in Uganda. They just outlawed homosexuality in a nearly unanimous vote of the the Ugandan parliament. I think it was something like 350 to 2. So they've criminalized that. If you can remember, even, even back in the 1970s, as late as the 1970s, homosexuality itself Was listed as an official, uh, officially listed as a mental illness with the American Psychiatric Association. Now, you could argue that. As it is, as it is. Well, I was just about to say, you could certainly argue that it still is, just no longer uh, an officially listed one because political correctness took care of that. But if homosexuality itself, as late as the 1970s, was listed as a mental illness, what about so called transgenderism or, or transsexuality? You know, I didn't have it on my bingo card. John, that uh, the famed evolutionary biologist Richard Dawkins would have to go and do a major media appearance and explain to people that there are only two genders. Now, Dawkins is washed up on a lot of things, but the fact that this guy has to go on and explain to people that there's only two um, sexes—it's just—it's—it's—it's amazing. And again, it just drives the fact that how can you reconcile with people? How can you have unity? cohesiveness with people who, who hate you, who want to kill you, who can't even agree uh, uh, with you on, on what constitutes a man and a woman. And of course, the leftists, or if it had been a white heterosexual conservative uh, who engaged in an act of violence, and they do happen sometimes, it's very rare, almost all of the mass shootings are done by non-whites. But of course, if it's a white person who does it, you sure as hell going to hear about that. And it's always going to be exclusively about his race and his mm-hmm. ideology. But in Absolutely. this case with the transgendered shooter, it's uh, – well, <laughs> you're not hearing about that at all, even though this person left a manifesto and even though this person was uh, was acting out of malice and out of hatred because of their ideology and because of their mental illness. Uh, but it's all about guns now. Now it's all about guns. Of course, they pivot back to guns if they can't make it about race. But Americans have always been armed. Uh, Yamamoto said that you can never conquer America because behind every blade of grass is a citizen with a rifle guns are not the problem. You did not have these mass shootings Uh, It's as late as the 50s when we still had a a homogeneous high-trust society diversity and multiculturalism and mental illness and by the way if you're mentally ill If you're officially declared mentally ill you're not even allowed to have a gun anyway But so this person shouldn't have even had a gun but mental illnesses like transsexuality all of that has ruined our peace and our tranquility and I don't think there's any way to to put it back together, John. I think the, the rot is is too far gone at this point. And I don't mind saying it. I don't want to make America great again. I want to leave it behind and learn from its mistakes, because, again, there can be no union amongst these people. We have nothing in common. They This other side actively wants to kill us. And it's not just a handful of people. It's not anecdotal. There's a lot of them like that. And I think that a secession or a balkanization is the only responsible solution. you got the stuff in the news about Donald Trump uh, perhaps being arrested. That seems to have died down a little bit this week, but last week that was very much – people were on uh, a watch for that. Uh, but I, uh, you know, if if he can be a martyr for our cause, maybe that's the best role he can play. I don't want any, him to be arrested uh, because, as as a man to man, I wouldn't want any other man to be arrested for and, and go to prison for uh, something he didn't do. But if his arrest and prosecution can further widen this political divide, and I think that obviously that would do it, but I'm all for it because this existing system that we live under, this forced system that we're mandated to participate in, it cannot be. Reformed and whether it's acts of terrorism or threats of, of, of murder or, or or just the wackiness of where the elite are taking us with transsexuality, um, you have to come – I think people are are, are going to have to come to the realization that our salvation, if, if we're going to make it here on this continent, is going to lie in separation. And it's going to be difficult. Yeah. How do you separate? How do you mm-hmm. separate? That's going to be a very difficult thing to sort out, but it is dangerous not to consider it.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree with you. And we've even seen like seen like mainstream politicians openly talking about a national divorce, for example. Yeah. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene made made a lot of people upset with that comment, that tweet that she put out. Uh, that was that's been a couple of weeks ago now, but you know, I tend to agree with you. I mean, wh- how can you have any sort of reconciliation with people that think it's acceptable and okay and normal and healthy to literally chop off your genitals? and pretend you're a different biological sex it's just pure madness we've gotten to a point where i don't even have words it's like how can you even have a legitimate you know healthy conversation with somebody who refuses to see the to see the, the world for what it is i mean what should we expect to happen when these mentally unwell and confused individuals are actually taught that they're being genocided they're being targeted while being encouraged to literally chop off their genitals, mutilate their bodies, you know, take these hormones that are designed to completely transform their natural biology. I mean, this is like one of the worst, you know, most evil science experiments you could ever come up with and it's actually happening on a daily basis and these people will die on this hill. This is so I, important I, I, to them. And and really, at the end of the day, they need to be told the truth and they need to get some real help to address their problems. I mean I feel bad for a lot of these kids and and, and young adults and and, and just – these people that are just so confused and and just clearly mentally unwell and have it in their brain that it's a legitimate idea or or acceptable thing to do to – I mean again, like literally mutilate your body to pretend you're – it's –
1: It's just pure madness, man. I mean, what else can you say about it? It it is, and it's—it's amazing that anybody could be brainwashed to the extent that they would want that for themselves. You know, I. I wonder, and I'm glad that I didn't have to find out because I was born into a very stable nuclear home with a with a dominant father and a mother who played her complementary role in the family system and hierarchy. And my, my father was a captain of the local fire department, the coach of the basketball team, so I had a good role model in my parents. We were in church every week, and uh, I know not everybody shares the faith, and that, that that's fine. And by the way, the churches have a lot of problems these days, like any other institution. They've been corrupted, and they, they they're very weak. Uh, because they did the, the weak men of our society at large take that weakness into the church houses. So that's, that's a problem. But growing up, um, I was just able to shoot the gap and had a, a nice small congregation. Uh, anyway, uh, it was, uh, it was a wonderful upbringing. But I wonder had I not been a product of that upbringing, you know, if I, if I had had a broken family, if I, you know, if my, Parents had given me up to the state, or, you know, to the to the school system, and to the media. You know, if I so, so, or
0: social media like these TikTok channels now yeah, that kids that, are getting indoctrinated and this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't, well, I and, don't he, know. and even and even these leftist teachers are, are encouraging this sort of destructive behavior and facilitating it, and 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 in some sure. cases grooming them. Even these like drag queen story hour events, where you know, and, and let me just give you a little antidote here in Nebraska. The state legislature is considering two separate bills, one of which would outlaw transgender surgery for anybody under the age of nineteen. So you'd have to at least be nineteen if you want to go down this road and you know consider taking these hormones and, and chopping off your genitals and and you know going that route. And there's just massive pushback from a very hardcore dedicated minority in the state Senate, that is is, is, people? is holding up the entire process. They're holding up the entire legislature from passing anything. There's a separate bill, a related bill, but separate, that would ban um, drag queen events, or, or, or I'm sorry, ban children from attending drag queen events. Now, can you imagine like how far we have come here in the past five, 10 years, where this is even a controversial bill? Why would this even be controversial to anybody? Of course, children should not be at drag queen story events. Of course, children should not be mutilating their bodies and taking hormones that totally destroy their natural biology.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it it is a testament to the power of the media that has glamorized this. And I, I saw a just it was it was heartbreaking in a way the the transgendered shooter in Nashville. I saw a picture of that person uh, when she was a little girl. And it just looked like any normal little girl at six, seven, eight years of age. Um, And that 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 girl should have grown up by the age of 28, which is what she was when she died, uh, should have grown up and had a family and kids of her own by now. Uh, But this system is is very powerful. And I don't know how they can make something like that look seductive. But I, I can tell you this. There are no shortage, no shortage. The media won't tell you this. There's no shortage of people who have mutilated themselves and forever taken away their ability to reproduce and have a family who live every day in regret for that. And the media is never going to tell you that. This is a war against our people. This is a war against families. And, of course, they want you confused. They want you confused about who you are, what your history is, who your heroes are. And it is disgusting to see that so many – Parents have, are, are seemingly enablers or allies of this very corrupt, wicked, and truly evil ideology that would take away your God-given bodies uh, and your abilities to, to, to have families. And I I think that the responsibility and accountability for a lot of this is is on the media because where were all these transgendered, so called transgendered people, you know, a few decades ago? Well, they weren't there. (laughs) Uh, This is something that has been, uh, you know, largely media manufactured, but I, and of course, what few there are even still when based upon the overall percentage of the entire population, they're, a very minuscule uh, group of people, but you wouldn't know it by the amount of uh, uh, play that they get uh, in, in media and in politics. Uh, but there, yes, that is one of the things that my detractors have always called me that is true, that I'm intolerant. I'm absolutely intolerant of that. That, that lifestyle, uh, that will never have a place in my home. There is a such thing as a right Righteous intolerance of of these things, and it is my job as a father and as a man to protect my children uh, from this kind of stuff. But um, well said, man. It's it's a it's a terrible. You're, thing. you're
0: a rare breed these days. I mean,
1: <laughs> my goodness. Well, you are too, <laughs> I and mean, I'm sure people listening are as well. But uh, no, this is just the way it's going to be. But I'll tell you this, John, and I've said this. I, I'm pragmatic about this. I say this in a lot of my public speeches when I get invited to go to a, a group here and there. That Don't be too disheartened about all of this stuff. It is just human nature to go along with what side's winning, and we have to see our people not for what they are now but what they once were and what they can perhaps be again. Uh, But practically speaking, very few people have inflexible beliefs that they will not be moved from on either side of the political spectrum. The vast majority of of humans – of humanity, are just going to go along with the side that's trendy and in vogue and popular and fashionable, and the side that's going to help them get a job and so on and so forth. And I I just think that a lot of the support for this stuff that is so obviously wrong and harmful is a mile wide and an inch deep. And you wonder how people could be so weak to, to play into it at all, but they are. Uh, and the good news about that is I think if and when our side gets our hands back on the levers of institutional power and that the majority of the population will just fall in line. that's just what's going to happen. My only concern is that when that does happen that the people like us, me and you and our friends uh, aren't going to get the credit that was deserved for doing the hard work when the tide wasn't moving in our in our favor but uh, but yeah anyway I, I, I think that this is going to end. I don't think that uh, our people, are going to march off the stage of history like this. I just think that this is going to collapse based upon the weight of its own gravity. And I think the pendulum, I think in many ways you're already seeing the, the pendulum begin to to swing back. And if there was somebody, uh, it was, it was another professor at another, another university, a black professor. I had the quote up on Twitter. I don't have it in front of me right now, but he just said that there will be a backlash to all of this stuff. and, and and these woke – this was a liberal, I believe, a black liberal. These woke activists are going to ruin the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there needs to be a sorting they're, out. I'm not talking they, about violence gone. like they do. I'm not talking about death and in murdering people like they are talking about murdering us or how they would like to murder us. But they just have to be, be done away with. You just can't have a society. They can have their society where they do all of this. we got to protect our children. we got to have a homeland of our own where our culture predominates and our families are protected from this. You, you cannot – deal with these people. You cannot come to an accord with them. And the more you give them, I mean, whites have experienced this for so many decades. The more you give these chronic malcontents, the more they will demand. There is no placating them. Uh, There is no way to satiate uh, their desire for more. They will not be satisfied until we are all dead and all gone. And even then they won't be satisfied because there's no good and there's no truth in them. Right, yeah,
0: no, exactly. I, th- I think you're I think you're spot on. Um well, you know what? we've only got about five more minutes left, and I wanted to um, highlight your book that was recently published. Well, I shouldn't say your book. you you contributed to the book. It's called "The Honorable Cause: The Free South." And from what I understand, I have not read the book. I do plan on purchasing a copy, which I know you can get directly through your website. I think you can go right on Amazon to pick up a copy of the book. Um, hopefully it stays up there. You know, you, you know how Amazon is with sense, <laughs> well, we censoring dissident load, we, books.
1: We, we do have backup printers ready to stand into the gap uh, when that happens, and that that certainly uh, has not been lost upon us. But yeah, thank you. I, I can't believe this much time's already passed. I always have such a good time talking to you. I get I get carried away, and and here we are now at the end of the hour. But yeah, so with regard, you mentioned Marjorie Taylor Greene. I'll I'll, I'll sh- uh, sh- shift and swing through this as quickly as possible. Sure. Uh, the, the national divorce. We've been talking about the reasons why that, I think, needs to be considered now. Uh, Last fall, there was a Yahoo News YouGov poll, so a system poll, that um, found that red state Trump voters are now more likely to say that they would be better off than worse off if their state seceded. And at the time, it was 33 percent that said they would be better off, 29 percent that said they would be worse off, and the rest were somewhere in the middle. They were unsure. So you fast forward to uh, just last month, which was after Marjorie Taylor Greene's national divorce comments, and a Rasmussen poll found that now, up from 33% last fall, 47% of Republican voters support a national divorce. You can call that independence from the system, independence from this federal leviathan or secession. They're all euphemisms uh, or synonyms for one another. And this is excellent news, John. I mean, think about this. Whether it's ending support for Ukraine or opposing anti-whitism and the Great Replacement, which, by the way, we've got elected officials like Philip De Winter in, in Belgium who wrote a book called The Great Replacement. He's been a member of the parliament there for years. He was on our show just last month for our march around the world. We're about to kick off Confederate History Month in April, and that's and this book is going to serve as sort of a, a capstone for that. But it, Opposing the Great Replacement, desiring a national divorce, our so-called extremist views are rapidly going mainstream. You got 47 percent of Republicans saying they want a national divorce. You're talking about tens of millions of people, uh, and in light of this public support, I think people should start considering running for state offices on a secessionist platform because there's an appetite, okay, for this now that wasn't there a few years ago. And so, yes, that's what led us to write this book. It's called The Honorable Cause a free south. And you know, we don't own the current media environment or today's levels uh, levers of power and, and and we are the current underdogs, but I do believe that there can be a future where our narrative of events are going to be the ones that endures. And since there is an appetite for the idea of a national divorce and that, that there can be no reconciliation with these people who hate us, uh, that there should be a book that very realistically and soberly addresses these issues from people who have been considering it for years, not Johnny-come-latelys. So that's what you've got here, the honorable cause of Free South. If you go to Amazon.com and you just type in the honorable cause, it should be the first return. Uh, that answers questions on our own terms and in our own way. And it deals with how the South and other people groups can achieve status as a nation-state with the right of self-determination for its people. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm excited about this. I wrote a book in 2010, so this is my only only my second a published piece, and it's a part of a collaborative effort. Uh, Dr. Michael Hill contributed a chapter, and other people that your listeners may uh, know contributed chapters, but 12 authors, 12 chapters. Mine just so happened to be the opening chapter, and I'm excited about it. I, it, it. For too long, our political and cultural enemies have been able to drive and define the conversation related to Southern nationalism and independence, and I think that this book is going to serve as a tool in offering another side of that coin and taking that communication mantle back from the folks who seek our destruction and ruin. So if that's something that people are interested in, uh, obviously we come at it from a Southern perspective, uh, all written by Southerners with uh, ancestors who fought for the Confederacy, Uh, but this is something that can be applied elsewhere. And by the way, you know, if there ever is a secession or when there is a balkanization of America, it's not just going to be the old Confederate states uh that that are going to be leaving this union it's going to be uh, places like uh, the mountain west states i mean you already have there there was this, a, a bill for a greater idaho that passed the idaho state house it passed idaho state legislature so a lot of people are considering this that, you know there's a, a wide swath of oregon that wants to break free and join idaho so uh this is something that is going to have uh, to happen if our people are going to have a future on this continent uh because the other people aren't going anywhere, and we can't live with them, so what are you going to do? Uh, but uh, the honorable calls on Amazon. I'd love for people to pick up a copy. Sales have been pretty brisk so far. It soft launched last week online, and we're going to have a hard launch party uh, actually uh, on April the 1st uh, in South Carolina. So I'll be there, and maybe I'll see yeah, some of you that folks. Two couple
0: days from now, this coming Saturday I believe, yeah?
1: Yeah, I don't know exactly when this is going to get posted, but uh, it's going to be April first, so uh, that's uh, where I'll be, and so we'll hard soon. launch it.
0: And uh, yeah, we'll have no, a it's, 3 hour show. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I'm really excited. I'm actually going to pick up a copy right now. I got it already in my Amazon in my Amazon cart, so I'll pick up a copy of it. I look forward to reading it. And um, yeah, you know, it's 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 I, I there's a lot. You know, I, you know me, I'm I'm big into into history and, and re- revising history to bring it more into accord with the facts, as the, you know, that's, that's the mission, of course, of the Barnes Review. And I think that there's a lot of revision of the history of Southern nationalism and Southern independence that needs to be considered. And it sounds like that is exactly what this book is all about. So I'm looking forward to reading it.
1: Well, it is. And I cut my teeth on those issues here with this uh, radio program of mine. Uh, that's certainly been one of the pillars. We don't talk exclusively about the South, although in April, that is Confederate History Month. It was in April of 1861 when the Confederate states were chartered, and in April of 1865 uh, when when we fell. Uh, but that wasn't ever a settled issue for a lot of us, and uh, Jefferson Davis himself said that it was bound to reassert itself in the future, and I think that uh, that time has come for a lot of people now, so this book is timely, and it's available. My wife bought it. <laughs> Uh, On Kindle, it's uh, it's available at Amazon.com on Kindle as a paperback and as a hardback. So uh, the editor, Patrick Martin, has done a good job of putting this together, and uh, I think uh, people will be interested in it. And I'm uh, appreciative to you, John, for giving me the chance to talk about it for a couple of minutes today.
0: Well, thanks, James. I appreciate it, man. You keep up the good work. Good luck with the book. I look forward to the live program this coming Saturday where you guys will be launching the book officially. And, um, yeah, we'll stay in touch. We'll talk again soon. And, uh, yeah, keep up the good work, man.
1: Folks, do me one favor. Before you buy the book, subscribe to the American Free Press and the Barnes Review if you uh, are not already a subscriber. I, I run to the mailbox every uh, couple of months for my issue of the Barnes Review, the American Free Press, which John Friend is doing there. Read this article on the SPLC that he just wrote, the single best article. I know that that particular topic dominated a lot of the hour today and, and for good reason. It's America's last real newspaper. Do that first if you got a couple of Yankee dollars left over, you can buy the book, but support the work of John Friend as well.
0: (laughs) Thanks, man. I appreciate it. You got it. Okay. Take care, James. We'll talk to you soon.